The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We have a complete attack against our economic system. Many want to blame this and this sort of thing or this reason or quantitative, quantitative, quantitative ease, easing. They've done it four times, so I broke through trying to say it four times. And now they said they're going to do it to infinity. Yet we have to look at why is this? Why has this happened? And of course, our sins, our lady has shown us, what we've inherited in the system, that we're to blame for it. So the consequences of not living Christianity bring the consequences of something seemingly disconnected to a way of life and what we live. Man's always sin, even when Christian people or Christianity was flourishing in the Renaissance and saints were growing there. I mean, that's always been part of our, our 
of the of the wickedness in us. The thing that's different now is we're denying sin. There is no sin today. People do what they want, or they rationalize it away when they do do it. And the Pope was just talking about how people are falling away from not religion, but being part of the church, the practice of the religious ways. He's also talking about the Protestants who's lost 20% of their people. They call them nuns. One student from the Mississippi University said that being raised Baptist, he no longer had any need for this stuff. He didn't really understand it anymore. He's in charge of a student association and he's a professor atheist. And so 20% of America, they say, has grown. This non-believers have grown to 20%, which is scary. I mean, just, just a short time ago, 87% described themselves as Christian. Where are we going? Pay attention, people. Living in an atheist culture, a non-believing culture, is a dangerous culture for atheists and Christians and those who don't know what they believe. Living in a Christian culture is a safe culture for atheists and those who don't know what they believe. So with them growing, they'll lose common sense and we'll inherit something very dangerous. Also, we'll inherit the problems we have in our culture. A Pakistan who came to the United States 12 years ago went to Nashville. He got the idea he was going to buy a limousine and take people to the airport. He started charging $25, which is well below everybody else's price. And he had so many people calling him about it that he able to he in his first year he was able to average ten thousand dollars a month per car. And with that money he invested a new car each month. By the time of the year had ended he had twelve cars in his first year. By the end of his second year he had thirty five cars. He said he could see his cars everywhere. It was like taxis. 39 years old. He had a fleet nearly 40 vehicles in no time. And so this fast-growing transit setup, nobody in Nashville has seen anything like that in decades. But no, we can't allow that because we have things entrenched. We have people already in the business. So the entrenched transportation people noticed all this. They went to encourage the city government. They had to level the playing field. Here's somebody entrepreneurial trying to really make it, cuts his price, and they go to the government, the tyranny, the city, which I've written in Look What Happened When I Was Sleeping is where most tyranny is exercised is through the cities and the county commissions. Not on the state level, not on the federal level. It's federalized down to the city. And they've learned their power taking just like they have 
exercise that we've seen for some time now from what the federal government does. So they made new rules and new regulations. They set limits on how the sedans the Boca Rai would have in regards to how many miles could be on the odometer, which is stupid. Nobody's going to go with you if your cars are breaking down. Nobody's going to go with you if your cars aren't clean. They go with him for a purpose. He's got a decent price. Actually, he didn't have a decent price. He had a price. Nobody else was willing to go down that low. So they made new laws prohibiting the practice for dispatching vehicles with a cell phone, which is what a small firm like that could make it by instead of having to get a big, complicated system of communications. Then they said, and the clincher to this, economically, it was incredible, they set a limit of $45 that the minimum fare they had to charge. Is this America or is this Soviet Union? The market showed that he could do this for $25. He flourished. In two and a half years, 40 cars, almost. And here it is, the city commission has to come in and set a price that you have to pay, you have to charge at least $45. He hadn't gone to court. The judge criticized it, but the judge also said they wouldn't do an injunction, so he's out of business, basically. And it's probably going to go against him because the powers that be will, with the judge being elected will pressure him. It's incredible. When I was first married, we lived in a really a, a, a apartment then we moved quickly to a house we had a big old house we started remodeling in a not a real flourishing area it was a nice area but I got the idea once I got a tractor my first tractor like a farm tractor landscape tractor and truck how to make money and how to build business I got the idea that I could plow a garden 25 feet by 75 feet and then if I could get those in the local area, I could hit a lot of places at one time. This would be 1976, 1977. So I set a price at $25. That's why I'm reading this article, because it reminded me of what I did. To plow a 25 by 75 foot garden. Who's going to do that? You say, well, nobody's going to do that now. Nobody would do it back then. That was a crazy price, even in 76 and 77. Nobody would dare touch that. But I figured if I got enough in one area, we could schedule them throughout the week or the next week, all in locally in one area, so I could hit them one after another. Park my truck somewhere, drive if I have to the tractor to different places, or either just load up my truck, and I was fast, load the tractor back up, ride four blocks away, and go plow it. We put an ad in the paper, our phones started ringing off the wall. My wife would schedule them according to map in a certain area of town, and I would have four, five, six, seven, eight gardens in one little area. Once I got there, I said, "You want this thing disc?" And I disc, I disc it for ten more dollars, thirty-five dollars. Plowed disc garden, seventy-five by twenty-five feet. People were delayed, elated with this. They were so excited. They've owned a garden for years. Nobody had that capability to do that. I would come home each day clearing about after my gas, which was my own expense because I had the tractor paid for. 
Back then, I was paying as I went. We'd scrounge to get the first tractor, scrounge to get the truck. I'd clear $200 a day. By the end of the week, that was $1,000. I was rich. I mean, that was a lot of money then. And of course, this was a spring rush. Sometimes in the fall, well, I did it too in the fall. And I made good money. I did it by myself. I didn't pay anybody else. This guy did the same thing. You say, well, you can't do that for $25 now. You can do it for $35, $40. Once you get in the area, still make decent money. So this guy's doing this right now. And he's been stopped. Why? Because we have an immoral system by an entrenched people, or rather by an entrenched mentality that will kill that. I got to where that gave me a stepping stone into other work in excavation and landscape that that money wasn't good enough, so I quit doing it after a while. It was a lot of work. I mean, you unload a tractor five, six, seven times a day, it's equipment, reattach another piece of equipment, put it back on the track, rebind it. I was tired. But my adrenaline was fueled by, this is good money. I'm beginning my family. This is going to give me a good start. Gave me good cash flow. And it was exciting to do something nobody else could do. We bought a little boat. We got a deal on it. In 77, we found the property out here for sale. And we loved this boat, little bass boat. And I got the idea, okay, I put an ad in the paper. A perfect time at spring, going in spring. And I put an ad, instead I put a price on it, it says, must sell by a certain date, say April 30th or something. Well, people call in. I say, okay, eighteen hundred dollars, and went up, on up, went on up. I paid. I made like seven, eight hundred dollars off the boat than what I paid for it a year before that. <clears throat> I took that and put this against the property that I bought. You got to think. Winston Churchill said, "Failing to plan is planning to fail." Pretty profound. You got to think. You got to plan. You got to come up with something about your plan. They fired the first shot is just about that. About your own personal plan when you finish the book. To change your United States of America through changing your family, through changing yourself. By becoming active. When people finish the book, the book is their button to go in action mode. And people are doing it. We can't even keep up with what we're doing. We have three shifts on our printing press running it continually 24 hours. Why? Because it's of personal interest. It's something people really can do. I felt not just good going plant those gardens and bringing home $200 clear each day and up with $1,000 in the week. I felt wonderful. And that's what people are doing when they finish this book. They feel wonderful. If you only got one, get a case. It is a fire, and it will change this nation. Everything is there. Joan's not here today. Rhea's going to do our, our story or our reading today. This is from Bix Weir, and it's titled, Why the U.S. is Trying to Destroy the Dollar. There's been a lot of discussion in our circles about the insanity on display in Washington when it comes to spending and our monetary policy. Although they've talked the talk of balancing the budget and limiting the debt for 40 years, it has never really been done. 
Sure, the Clinton administration appeared to make some inroads, but it was all smoke and mirrors. In the Clinton years, they changed all the rules about what to report in order to make it look like things were getting better, but it was all a con. They just changed all the reporting rules, like calling Social Security payments revenue to offset even more spending and changing the components of the CPI to mask the real inflation rate. The reality is that since March 31, 1982, the plan of the United States of America was to destroy the U.S. dollar and return to a true constitutional gold standard. This was the day that the Gold Commission report was released, with the following statement in conclusion. Quote, The majority of us at this time favor essentially no change in the present role of gold. Yet we are not prepared to rule out that an enlarged role for gold may emerge at some future date. If reasonable price stability and confidence in our currency are not restored in the years ahead, we believe that those who advocate an immediate return to gold will grow in numbers and political influence, unquote. Has it happened? Has reasonable price stability and confidence in our currency been the goal since 1982? No. Exactly the opposite, and it was all done on purpose. There's no better explanation for the rampant monetary creation in the United States since the release of this report. It's the the on-the-road-to-the-golden-age theory being acted out in real time. Again, right back to the original Road to Ruta article from 2007, quote, You may find it interesting that the minority report released with the Gold Commission report was co-written by Ron Paul and advocated returning to a gold standard immediately. As a matter of fact, Ron Paul and Louis Learman produced this report in secret, without the knowledge of most of the other Gold Commission members. All of this had to be done in secret, or the bad guys would have taken them out like they did Kennedy. The minority report was not revealed until right before the final revision of the Gold Commission report. These are some reflections on the Gold Commission report by Anna Schwartz. The existence of a minority report was not revealed to the Gold Commission until a few days before the final revision of the report that was intended to represent all views. The minority report was prepared under the direction of Congressman Ron Paul and mirrors his views rather than those of Lewis Lehrman, who endorsed it. He proposed delay in the implementation of the program outlined therein until the Reagan administration's fiscal and monetary programs and the recommendations of the Gold Commission were given an opportunity to prove themselves. Interestingly enough, this delayed implementation process was directly in line with the expertise of Stephen DeVoe of Wishes and Rainbows fame, as well as our friend Alan Greenspan in an article published in Time magazine in 1981. Quote, There is a growing disillusionment with monetary policy, monetary theory, monetary policy, monetary instruments generally, and people are looking around to see what the alternatives might be. One is gold. Economists concerned about fixing the right price for gold have been discussing in recent weeks the problems of re-entry, the space-age term to describe a return to the medieval metal. Laffer says the White House should announce that the U.S. will be going on the gold standard in, say, three months. When G-Day arrived, the Treasury would begin buying gold at the market price, and the Federal Reserve would partially back its obligations with gold up to perhaps 40%. Economist Greenspan has another, milder proposal for testing the waters. He suggests issuing treasury notes, whose value is backed by gold. Financial markets would then gradually determine the value of gold, 
by the price investors were willing to pay for the notes. The road to Ruda take, that is, this process of returning to the gold standard, continues in real time today. Yes, this long after it, ha- after it began decades ago. As a matter of fact, Ben Bernanke announced last week the end of this process when he announced that the Fed would be continuing quantitative easing to infinity. Remember what was concluded by the Gold Commission in 1981? If reasonable price stability and confidence in our currency are not restored in the years ahead, we believe that those who advocate an immediate re- return to gold will grow in numbers and political influence. We have arrived at that point in time. Now you must prepare for the largest economic collapse in the history of the world. Then we get to start fresh. May the road you choose be the right road. That said, what's going to happen when we have a collapse, which is inevitable? You see Katrina coming, turns into a gigantic storm. They can see on radar where it's going to be. Meanwhile, still sunshine in Bay St. Louis, ground zero. There's no avoiding it. So even though things are in sunshine, even though you may be doing all right economically, if you fail to plan now, you're planning to fail. Everything is there. And our weather forecast is the moral decay, the situation of the church, the situation of the church themselves, of what's coming. If you want to look at another weather forecaster, look at the economy itself, what they're saying about it. If you want to look at another weather forecaster, look at those who took us off the gold standard. Why did they do that? What is currency really worth except the papers printed on? Nothing. So all the forecasters, though they're in different locations, figuratively speaking, just like forecasters of Katrina was all over the place, different cities. These points come from different angles. Money may be worthless, off the gold standard, moral decay, but they all forecast the same result. A financial collapse is coming. And if you're not planning, you're planning to fail. This is an important thing to understand. You cannot escape it. You cannot avoid it. You can mitigate it. Our lady says the secrets cannot be entirely avoided, but they can be mitigated. And planning is your mitigation. It starts with a P. The other forecast of what to do with planning starts with a P, and that's prayer. So it's important to understand the steps you have to take. You can't nullify it completely. But you, get your, you can get yourself in a position where you're set up, better able to handle it, not to be in a refuge, not to save yourself, but to live that way. Yesterday is not too soon to start. So, Frank, Frank what does this say to you? Well, um, I, I like that line. I had never heard it before. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. But, I think um, a lot of people start using it. <laughs> it's a good church. Uh, church Winston Churchill. 
you know, of course, a gold standard does not work. And the gold standard is not biblical, and it's certainly not constitutional money. The Constitution says only gold and silver will be money in the United States. And we need a bimetal system. As Frank Baum predicted in his book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the gold standard, the yellow brick road, leads to fiat money, uh, Emerald City. And fiat money leads to starvation. So uh, we want to return to constitutional money, return to biblical money, and that's a, a bimetal system with gold and silver. And in terms of silver, gold's tremendously overvalued. I had uh, someone call the other day, and they said they'd like to buy gold. And I said, um, you know, not yet. It's not time to buy gold yet. And I uh, explained to him how silver's the tremendously undervalued metal. And as we went on in the conversation, um, they wanted to buy $5,000 worth of gold, and they had a few hundred thousand in the stock market. Ooh. And so Ooh. this is um, especially, you know, what you're saying, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And I would ask people that, you know, I'm sure that they did not have access to metronomics, um, probably weren't on the Internet. They sound like they were retirement age. And it's it's a very hard to get your head around this. I remember when I started reading about this over a decade ago, um, it took me several years until I was completely out of paper. And we just don't have that time frame anymore. So I'd, I'd really ask your listeners to remember the mystical body of Christ in prayer that, that should be doing these things and uh, to pray to help people realize that uh, we must move with a sense of urgency. As um, our friend from Tennessee said that came up for the talks, this quantitative easing is just to support the stock market and these toxic assets that uh, are a house of cards getting ready to fall. So there's nothing real um, in the stock market being held up. It's just uh, creating money, and big money's the only thing putting this in. The demographics are, are all wrong for this. Uh, the, the baby boomers are retiring. You know, our spending habits are decreasing. Um, it's going to end very badly. Well, you know, I said in the article we has read that about the, they had to find the price what gold would be. So what's this going to do to silver? If this, if what they're saying that we have to go back to this ghost standard and we, we re-entry, we do a re-entry into this, what will happen to the price of silver? Well, the, the price of silver is going to be shocking. Um, no matter where they go, and this is this is what terrifies the powers to be, and this is why they keep putting out their gold standard. They just want you know everybody to forget about silver, and we're starting to see signs of a, a retail shortage. A lot of those that have been listening to Magenomics and Radio Wave from the beginning will remember in 2008, uh, the first time we did a show when there was the uh, collapse of 2008, and many people were calling and. Again, you, you said what you said for years to exit this system. Um, retail silver was going for $4 over for one-ounce rounds. And at that time, that was about 40% over spot, where we're about 4% over spot now. Um, and we're starting to see this retail shortage. They're one of the largest retailers in the country. I've had the Mint email me twice and say that they're looking for silver rounds. And... Uh, 
And so when we see a retail shortage accompanied with a wholesale shortage, this is when the price is just going to shock because silver is also an industrial metal. So, it gets more rare to gold so every what, day. What you're saying, clarify that. In other words, what you can get it on spot, who is being, it's being suppressed by the powers that be because there's a shortage of it and they can't go above spot. And the shortage is driving up the price of overspot. In other words, the mint's having to charge that because he's got a he's got a limited supply he can give to the to people who ask for it. And so who pays the most gets that. So it's not even spot, you're going above spot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, what happened in two thousand eight is is there was such a great demand for them, nobody wanted to sell them for less than four dollars over because the there was can- a greater demand a greater demand than than there was availability in the one ounce form, and that's why you know one ounce rounds have to be manufactured, and uh, you know that's why you know this is such uh, a good way to invest in silver, the miraculous metal Medjugorje round, and uh, you know there'll be a very very high demand for this form, but when the the industrial users cannot get silver, they're going to you know try to stack up on it and this is when you know and, and it's inevitable that it's going to happen is that we'll have a, a retail and a wholesale shortage well, and then go ahead, go ahead sorry yeah and, and then you know the price will begin to be realized but but you know logically silver will become more rare to gold it, it, because of how it's consumed and i don't know you know why no one says that or, or no one's seeing that or you know everyone is is uh you know listening to the information that's out there and everybody's saying gold, gold standard, you know, gold this. Well, um, silver will be hoarded and gold will be dumped logically because of how silver is used. Well, I think the telltale sign is we're not part of the system in this marketing. And we, when the book was written, it ain't going to happen. We put it out. And the date, since that book, when did we put it out? What was the date of that? June 24, 2010. Yeah. Okay. Just a couple of years ago that we're headed toward two million one-ounce rounds, Maracas Metal Medjugorje rounds have been produced. That's pure silver. And to me, that's astounding. We didn't have anybody else advertising. We didn't have anybody else promoting it. This is really word of mouth on what comes out to the mission. In fact, we did calculations. I think we were responsible for 2% of all sales that first year of uh, one-ounce pieces worldwide. That's that's pretty big for for us to come from nowhere and take two percent of that market, and I say that really nobody sold anything. Frank set up to distribute that. You just exchange your money for the silver, and basically pay the mint price and the handling price over that. So there's not anything being made on our part. But you shocked me last week when you said that this is sixty tons of silver. It's an amazing. That's one hundred twenty thousand pounds. So. Our ladies educating people, and when they hear it, they understand it. They can grasp it, and they understand why they're doing it. And, and it will be, when our ladies' secrets are released, and they know that the Mother of God's been here, what it's about, these will be rounds of choice. Why would you know about that? And that's the purpose. The choice with this, the ring conversion, with the Marcus Metal on it. Frank, how do they contact you? You can call us toll-free, 877-936-7686. 
You can also reach us by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. Have you recovered from the talks last Friday? Oh, yeah, that was uh, just uh, such a great time. And uh, it was, everybody was so happy that you were here. And, um, you know, very enjoyable evening. I understand you're going to be in Pittsburgh. I'd uh, I'd love to come out, but we're still recouping from the uh, last weekend. But <laughs> um, great, great people out there, good friends of ours are hosting you. So everybody that uh, can take advantage of seeing a friend of Medjugorje in Pittsburgh and get a, get extra copies here, there's a, a great demand. You know, people that are reading this say, you know, they've known these things, but how do you communicate it to others? And uh, you know, they, we just can't get enough copies here locally because um, you just want to get this in other people's hands so they can understand where we are and and have a very clear answer. So we'll be with you in prayer uh, in, in Pittsburgh this weekend. And the information for those talks can be found on Medjugorje.com on the homepage. There's a link there on the right-hand side that says a friend of Medjugorje's speaking schedule. And the first talk is in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. And that talk is tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. And the following talk on Saturday is at 9 a.m. And that talk is in Coropolis, Pennsylvania. So again, the information for those talks, the contact information, as well as the uh, a map to those locations uh, can be found on the homepage of Medjugorje.com. Uh, again, that's under the Friend of Medjugorje speaking schedule. It's uh, beautiful to see when we do these talks because more and more people are being connected through Our Lady and being underneath their mantle. Uh, the fraternity is amazing. People arrive an hour, even two hours before, and they know for each other's face, so they've met each other down here at, when our Maria's here or just visiting Caritas or when we do our retreats. And sometimes people come, uh, feel like they're really on the outside because they see this familiarity and people are just laughing and cutting up and talking and, and getting deep conversations about our lady and just dwelling in the midst of the love of our lady. It's beautiful. And uh, they have they don't have history, so for those who that the past two talks in Cleveland and Toledo, uh, you build history the more you stay with it, then you become family. And we you can and you see people talk to each other more than they do to their families even, or more than they do to their neighbors. Uh, it's something knowing Our Lady and knowing that you know the person themselves, even though you've never met them. So these talks are a beautiful thing. It's the time to get acquainted. It's time to run across people you already know. And we encourage you to come to that uh, and and bring others to it. In regards to the book, stay on it. It works. It's the solution. It will give us everything we need to go and know where to go. And it's all in Our Lady's hands. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.